that experience in itself woke me up to the fact that like, hey, this is not a one size fits all. Like you cannot say, oh, you feel this way? You must need this. Like that's just not not true. And so again, learning the hard way that we are individuals. And I do love working with people who are open to making lifestyle changes. Welcome to the Wild and Well Collective Podcast, where we believe empowered health is your superpower. We have combined our expertise in medicine and nutrition to bring you the latest research, expert insights, and success stories of people on a mission to live a big life. So buckle up and get ready to learn how to live wildly well. Hi, beautiful souls. I am so, so excited to be back for our second episode. And this time I have the honor of interviewing my beautiful co-host, Krista. I'm so excited that we get to dive into everything about you today. I know this is so exciting to share my story with you, which you've heard most of it, but um, to our audience as well. So this is going to be great. So I'd love to just dive right in and really get to know you and what brought you into the the health and the wellness world? Like where did your journey begin? So there's many pieces to it, but as I look back on my life, it actually started when I was about five. So as long as I can remember, I wanted to be in medicine. And as I trace everything back when I was five, I actually uh, was diagnosed with something called precocious puberty, where you start puberty like really, really early. Right. And so my mom recognized this and I ended up having to go to Texas Children's Hospital in Houston, Texas, every three months until I was around 12. And they ran tests on me and, you know, just to rule out anything going on that was maybe cancer on the pituitary. None of that was happening, but they did put me on a researching, a drug that they were researching to kind of suppress puberty because, you know, five years old is too early for that. Right. So that's really where it started. And to be honest, I was actually, because it wasn't a life-threatening thing and because they were able to really um, slow that down, stop it and allow me to progress normally through my adolescence. I just loved being in the hospital. I loved, I loved all of it. I was fascinated by all of it. I, and so that's really where I first got lit up about, about medicine, right? Like, isn't that a, an amazing thing? How life is always working in our favor. So I was there. I wasn't scared. I knew it wasn't life-threatening and that's really where it started. So I don't really remember a time in my life where I wasn't just enamored and fascinated by the human body and how to fix it and how the body worked and, and all of these things. So that's really where it started. How I wanted to progress through that and, you know, be a doctor, be a nurse, whatever, you know, that, that was kind of up in the air, but I knew that I loved medicine from the beginning. That's amazing. I'd love to know. And like, for our listeners that don't know what it is that you had, like, how did your mom even start to recognize the symptoms? Like, how were Uh, you feeling? How did it actually show up in your body? Yeah. I'd love to share this because I think it's important if you have children to also recognize that, but you know, if you can remember being a little girl at the beginning, you kind of get these itty bitty like tender, you know, nipples, right? You're like, there's like kind of like a marble underneath them. My mom recognized that, um, or I would complain like, oh, this, this kind of hurts. And when she looked, you know, I was only five and she thought, oh, this is, this is something like maybe a nine-year-old should be experiencing, not five. And so that was the first initial response. And and from there, she brought me into the pediatrician. We did blood work and my estrogen levels were higher than they should have been pre, you know, 
it was kind of prepubescent, but too early on. And so, yeah, that was the beginning. And God bless my mom. She really pushed for taking aggressive action towards figuring it out. At the time, we lived in Lubbock, Texas. So Houston was a trek, but she somehow found out about the study and they tracked my brain, uh, you know, looking on pituitary and monitoring closely my growth plates and blood work every three months. And then this medication that kind of suppressed all of that from happening so that I could live a normal rest of my childhood. And then, you know, adolescence and I was off the medicine and progressed normally, but, you know, I got to see all sorts of different things and that was where it all started. And that's what my mom kind of uh, was my resource early on. That's so amazing. And I love that you shared you know, and I know it was because there wasn't any life-threatening condition associated with it, but I know a lot of children that grow up having to go to the hospital or visiting hospital regularly, it can create a lot of trauma, right? It can create a lot of fear. It can create a lot of the opposite effect. And so I love that it actually switched it for you into being like, this is so fascinating. How can I learn more about this? Like, what was a defining point in you being like, okay, I'm doing this, something in this area in my life, like for the rest of my life? Well, like I said, I can't even remember not having this passion for it, despite the fact that I had to get blood drawn. And, you know, there were some scary things, I guess, but I just loved the environment. I was just so curious. And it was like my calling found me early on because I was magnetized. I think you're right. Some people could have looked at the same scenario and been like, this place is terrible. I want nothing to do with this. But I think because it was already my purpose that it just magnetized, you know, the, the whole calling magnetized to me. So from that point, I really thought I was going to go to med school. I was like, this is what I'm going to do. I, I want to be a surgeon. I want to look inside the body, you know, all of these things, because I am a seven on the Enneagram, a Sagittarius, you know, my, I've always got wild ideas and I'm like, oh, maybe I want to adopt or deliver babies. And so then it shifted and I wanted to do OB. And then it was like, let me go to nursing school and I'll be a midwife. So I went to nursing school. I graduated in the year 2000 to age myself. And, you know, during nursing school, I loved labor and delivery, but I really loved emergency medicine. So I decided to go straight into the ER and that was really, really wild. Learned a ton trial by fire. Like you just get thrown in to see a lot, do a lot. I loved it. And then I thought, I kind of want to go back to med school. So So I ended up doing day, like worked the night shift at the ER. And then in the mornings, I would get up and go to finish all my pre-meds. So I completed all of that. I took the MCAT twice. (laughs) I was ready to apply. And yet I was like, I don't know. I really wanted to live in New York City in my 20s. And so I moved to Manhattan, was a trauma nurse there for two years. And during that time, decided that I was going to get married to somebody I had been dating for, well, my husband now, but I, you know, we'd been together for on and off for about six years. So that really put the brakes on going to med school, but my passion didn't leave. Right. So, so that's kind of where it got a little sticky. Like, where do I go from here? And as I got older, we had kids and, and going back to school, really, we got married, we had kids and going back to school really felt overwhelming until I thought, you know what? I can go back to be a nurse practitioner and still learn more because I'm, I just love learning. And uh, so that's what I did and graduated from as a family nurse practitioner in 2017. How cool. I love that you followed the calling so well. And obviously dived into the the ER and the trauma 
um, inside the New York like hospitals and stuff would have been would have been full on. Like, can you touch on that a little bit? I'm I'm just super intrigued because I know that it must get your heart racing. There must be so much that you go through during that time. Like, how did did that impact your journey and into wanting to be more of the nurse practitioner and not go back to ER once you'd had kids? I love ER. I love trauma. I, what I love is being able to see a problem, understand what's going on, and then help and like make a definitive change towards the better, right? And so trauma or a heart attack or, you know, most emergent things, as long as you recognize what's going on and you know the solution, then, you know, you do your best to, to save that person. And yeah, it was a lot of high energy, just we got to do this now, you know, a lot of emergent situations. I did get to deliver babies. I did get to, you know, I did all the things, right? And surprisingly, New York City wasn't the most impactful. It was more, first started out in Tulsa, Oklahoma at a level one trauma there, and then to Norfolk, Virginia and worked in a level one trauma there. It was a burn center as well. And you have really funny stories, really gory stories, really wild and bizarre stories, stories that my husband absolutely will not let me share at the dinner table, Um, but I'll talk about anything anywhere, right? And it's, you get really connected to your crew that you work with. I love it. I mean, I absolutely love it. If you didn't have to work long holidays and I didn't have three kids to take care of, I would go back to that in a heartbeat. But, you know, you just have to follow your phases of life and, and where I am. It's still a deep passion of mine. I have such fond memories of all of that, just learning, learning and really seeing and helping, really being able to make a difference in somebody's literal life at that moment was great. And, you know, I'd go into acute care. I really stepped out of that world because it is demanding as far as weekends and night shift and holidays. And as much as I loved it, I also have to prioritize being a mom at this point in my life. And so I did not go back to acute care. I went back as family practice. So very broad. Again, you can help a wide range of of things going on, but it lacks a little bit of that excitement, right? So (laughs) hence the next stage in my life. So in practice as family practice nurse practitioner, You see a lot of chronic things, you're managing blood pressure, high cholesterol, maybe anxiety, depression, but none of those things really lit me up. And I also wasn't feeling like I could truly help people because, you know, I was having 30 year olds come in with extreme fatigue and weight gain and loss of libido. And we were replacing things with testosterone. The clinic I was at, we were doing HCG diet where you're only eating 500 calories. And I just couldn't come to grips with some of these solutions. And my curiosity peaked again of like, how can I really get to the underlying reason? Like, how can I really look at this person, see what's going on and fix them? So it sounds like what I'm doing now is very different from the ER and it is. But the principles are the same, that I want to be able to look at somebody, recognize their situation and their body as an individual, and figure out exactly what's going on and how to solve it for real, not just put a Band-Aid over a stab wound, like what needs to happen for this to really heal. Um, And so I dove into learning uh, functional medicine, got certified in that, and that is the study of root cause medicine, where we dive into all the details and I get to nerd out like crazy on all the science of the body. And it really lit me up again, even though I'm not in crazy ER setting, my practice now I get lit up because I get to look at the individual and solve real problems. 
it's such a powerful world to be able to step into that real root cause resolution. It's probably the way I like to look at it, right? Where you're actually able to, I know you love the testing and the functional medicine testing and being able to have real answers in front of you that you know is going to help transform someone's life. And it's such a, such a powerful place to be in. I'm wondering with your own personal health journey, did you find that going into the ER, did you find like, did I know from myself, like I experienced burnout when I was trying to take on too many things, like you being a, a new mom, like finishing the ER, then going back to study. Did you find anything happen with your health during that time or you were so self-aware that you really just took, took care of yourself? I am one of those people that the high achiever, go, go, go. Everything's fine. Everything's fine. Even to the point where I deny my own physical needs. <laughs> like, no, we're fine. I had three boys in a matter of four years. You know, I did not get a lot of sleep. It was either pregnancy, breastfeeding, or all to get, you know, both, all everything, right? And I didn't even find that I didn't really feel that tired at the time. I think I just run, run, run until all of a sudden I have a breakdown. And that's what I have learned about myself in my adult life. I remember working in the ER my first year and just almost suddenly having extreme anxiety, like panic attack anxiety, very uncomfortable. And I recognize that now as I needed to slow down. I needed to listen to myself. I needed to not be you know, working the night shift and then going to school during the day. You know, this is my early 20s. And I thought, okay, I guess I need an antidepressant or anti-anxiety. I don't know. What's what is this? Why do I feel so crazy? And this happened again when I was in nurse practitioning school. Now at this point, I've got, you know, kids wide range, you know, middle school, elementary school. I'm also in school. And I was at Target and all of a sudden I felt really, really strange. I'm like, what is happening to me? Felt a little anxious. Let me grab my bags and just walk to my car. And as I'm walking to my car, I was feeling numbness and like really heavy on one side of my body. Get in the car and I'm thinking, okay, this is weird. And I feel very anxious and strange. I looked in the mirror. Of course, I'm doing like this little like <laughs> smile test on my face in the, in the rear view mirror. You know, I could smile. So it wasn't really affecting my face, but my whole left side of my body essentially went numb and I couldn't really move it. So I called my husband and said, this is really strange. Um, I can't even think clearly. I need you to come get me in this parking lot of Target. And, you know, he brought me home. I slept. I ended up getting a migraine. So I think what I had, honestly, what I should have called 911. Like, let's be clear. I am also one of those that's like, this will be fine. Should have called 911 with those symptoms. I totally recognize that. And I did follow up that week with, with doctors and get checked out. But I think what was going on was a hemiplegic migraine. So I was under so much stress that my body literally was like, we are done. Like the brain was just like, this is a problem. And so that's the level of de denial that I really operated out of up until the past, you know, maybe three to five years where I've taken a break and really dove into my internal world. And it came at the perfect time when I was digging into root cause physically and then recognizing within myself whoa, you don't have to be anxious or depressed or have a hemiplegic migraine in the parking lot of Target. You can do everything, maybe not all at one time. And so diving into that and doing some of my inner work and, and really, which is how you and I met in some programs where we were really learning that inner work actually is how I've created you know, a healthier body how I've been able to really work through. Yeah. Just as you get older, you know, the aches, the pains, the stomach issues, all of that. And you realize, wow, how much of this is actually coming from my inner world kind of coming up physically. And so I've applied a lot of that to my body, recognizing that 
my body's going to show up, you know, anxious and having migraines if I don't really pay attention to the whole, the whole piece. So I've kind of learned that the hard way, right? <laughs> I'm probably going to butcher the name, but like, I think you said the hemiplegic migraine, yeah. is that right? <laughs> medical medical knowledge isn't great functional medicine knowledge is I got literal chills when you were telling me that story and for like the listeners right now what like for me I was thinking oh gosh did you have a stroke because that was right yeah or is that what hemiplegic migraine is well it can be very similar to what would almost seem like a TIA or trans ischemic attack right because I got full everything fully back it can present very similarly like that. Yeah. I hope that never happens again. And because I never want that to happen again, I'm really cautious about my level of stress, you know, really listening to my body or feeling into, am I walking around really tense? Am I holding my breath? Am I, am I literally just feeling like I'm being pulled too many different directions and pausing and giving myself some nourishing moments because, you know, those kind of things can progress into, well, we, we all know that, right? Like the heart attacks, the strokes, because your blood pressure is constricted because you're so anxious and running on empty all of the time. So that was a real wake up call because it did feel very much like what I would imagine a stroke to feel like. Yeah. It's so scary. And I think we often, we often wait till something really massive happens in our life before we do something. And that's where I think both you and I agree. The functional side of things is really powerful, right? Because if Mm -hmm. you're actually addressing some of those symptoms before it gets to the extreme, you're going to be in a far better position for recovery. You know, one of my favorite things is like prehab before rehab. And I think that that's not just from a physical, a physical standpoint in terms of going to the gym, it's prehabbing your body, making sure that you're at optimal health rather than waiting till you get to the point of burnout or you're sitting in a target car park, like freaking out about your body. A hundred percent. And that's what I want to teach my patients, my clients too, that we can prevent a lot of things. Our body's amazing to heal, but you've got to take the action to, for yourself, right? You've got, you've got to take the action and be aware, first of all, what the problem is. And so my own personal experiences have helped me, I think, to to really empathize and understand what my clients are going through, right? Because I'm the same. (laughs) And my experience has been really helpful. When we, you know, going back to the clinic where I was at and we were giving hormones, you know, uh, testosterone in particular, even to premenopausal women in hopes to heal their energy. Now I know there's many reasons why energy is low. And that's kind of my go-to. That's my passion is helping people feel energetic. Right. But even there, you know, I was like, Oh, let me do a little boost. Let me do a little testosterone. Let's see. And now I know it just, it created more uh, brain fog in me. It created more anxiety for me. And that experience in itself woke me up to the fact that like, Hey, this is not a one size fits all. Like you cannot say, Oh, you feel this way? You must need this. Like, that's just not, not true. And so again, learning the hard way that we are individuals. And I do love working with people who are open to making lifestyle changes because it's just so important for me to be able to take the time and for the client to be open enough to discuss all areas of their life when we're really wanting to get energy back and overall health back because it's multifactorial and what might be right for you is not going to be right for me and vice versa. Right. So I learned that just through my own experience. 
Yeah, you touched on something really beautiful there. And I think that's where that, that holistic approach comes in, right? You're looking at the whole person, you're looking at their lifestyle, you're looking at their nutrition, you're looking at their exercise, you're looking at what stresses they're exposed to. You know, you're really looking at the person as a whole rather than what's the symptom, what's this one size fits all fix that we've been taught to kind of give out or hand out like candy, right? We talked a little bit about the pill last time. It's probably my my even yeah. a completely different, different angle, right? But we're, we're quite often told you have this symptom here's this pill or here's this thing to take and so yeah. treating the person as a oh I wonder what could be triggering that or I wonder what could be going on there and you mentioned mm-hmm. a little bit about doing the inner work I'm wondering if there's anything particular that stood out for you or if, you know for people who are listening going what do you mean by the inner work how is the mind that connected to the body is that like what is this thing yeah Would you mind touching on that a little bit more yes I think personal development and doing your own inner work is a journey. There's not just one course or one book or, you know, one conversation. It is, and it's not a linear journey. It's not like you leave from point A and you arrive at point B. It's A and B are a circle. And (laughs) you kind of just go up and up and up and, and you, you keep kind of hitting on that same point. But each time you hit that point, you, or that trigger in your life, you're just a little bit stronger. Right. And For me, it's been listening to my body, like really, like I love somatic work where you feel, you know, where does that anxiety feel in your body? Do you feel tight in your chest? Do you feel like you can't take a deep breath in? Do you have a headache? Do you have neck pain? Like, where is that? And like allowing that to just really, like really feel that in my body, like just sit with that feeling in my body and breathe into it. And from that point, making a different decision on, you know, how I'm going to schedule my day or what task I'm going to bring on or, or whatever. So getting more in touch, I would say awareness, not only about my thoughts and, oh, Hey, I'm just thinking really negatively today. And that's affecting everything else. Like, let me just like wake up to that and realize that's what I'm doing. And then also in my body, I tend to really feel a lot of things. And that's been powerful for me because I can check in. Why do I feel so tense right now? And then take a deep breath and like recalibrate, right? Like re reprioritize, rethink through what I'm stressed out about. And so I would say the biggest thing that I have learned and applied is just becoming aware of what I've kind of been unconscious to much just my way of just, like I said, I would shove things down. I wouldn't realize until the dam would break. Right. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. Cause I think it's something that we don't quite often comprehend or look at, or even think that our mind can be that deeply connected to our body. Even what you're saying with the negative thoughts, right. And how much that can impact us. And I know you talked a lot about energy being like such a big passion of yours and the fatigue and you obviously worked with a number of people as a nurse practitioner on that as well as being one of your main focuses now with your clients and patients if you were to think about like three things that people could really focus on right now as like some tips for people to support their energy levels if they don't really know where to start especially you know whatever time of year you're listening to this but most people's energy is is one of the biggest things that they're zapped from and it's our in my opinion one of our biggest currencies in this world so how can we support our energy better Yes, I love I love this talk because it's true. I mean, if you don't have energy, you can't show up how you want to in your business with your family. You can't even enjoy a vacation. Like I can remember having a getaway with my husband. We we went to Vancouver, we went up to Whistler to ski, and I had such bad brain fog and anxiety just just by, you know, it almost takes you 3 days vacation to even start to feel like yourself again. 
and to feel like, oh, I don't, you know, energy. And that's not who I am. Like, I love to be adventurous and energetic. And so it's my passion to help people get over that, move through this, get over. It's not a good word. It's, it's move through this, learn enough about yourself so that you can acknowledge yourself and move through it. So, you know, of course there's the foundational things that we talk about in health, you know, making sure you're sleeping enough, making sure you're drinking enough water, making sure you're not eating a bunch of crap food on the fly, like making sure you're eating real food. Those things are very basic, but they go long, long way. And we don't acknowledge a lot of times that, you know, our bodies age and our minds don't catch up. So I can say this because I'm about to be 45, which is wild, but my brain is still 32, right? Like, I don't, I can't even like, I can't even look at that number and say like, that's my actual, but when you don't treat your body, you know, you were not 10 years old, not that your 10 year old should be eating or drinking like that either, but, but we're just not. And as you know, when we're adults, we really need to be cognizant that our body responds to what we're feeding it fuel wise, or, you know, hydration, alcohol, processed food. So those are the basics. But I think boundaries go a huge, huge way because when we talk about toxins and, you know, we're going to do a whole podcast on toxins, probably this one too, toxins also spread out into emotional toxicity, relationship toxicity, toxicity that, you know, in in the way that you're speaking to yourself and all of that is really draining on our energy, right? If we feel a threat, whether that's from a fight with our partner or our children or just the stress that we're putting on ourselves, the body sees that as no different than any other threat to the body. And so constantly in that fight or flight mode by the way that we're thinking and the way that we're perceiving our world. And so when you're really serious about having amazing energy, we cannot let go of that either, right? Like we have to be able to talk and be real with ourselves and find spaces that you're safe to communicate with how you're really feeling to move through it, to acknowledge it, to, to ask that feeling, what, what it really needs. And then to honor that part of you. Do I need more sleep? Do I need to not go out with a group of people? Do I need to not have that phone call? Do I need to stay in tonight versus going out? Because I'm just, you know, I've reached my limit. And as an, as a high achiever, as somebody who's always wanting to be, you know, FOMO is real. Okay. For me. And I think one of the benefits for me with COVID and us all being separated for a while and me kind of feeling like, oh, okay, we're all staying home. So it's okay that I'm home because everybody's at home. It taught me some really brilliant lessons that I'm actually okay being by myself. I'm actually okay to sit on the couch and read a book. Like I actually feel better. And then I feel more expansive and have more energy and feel like I can really show up bigger and better for my friends or my business because I'm honoring that part of me, right? The the space. And so energy is a multifactorial conversation. It's not just a one size thing. It's, it's a lot of things, but again, that's very individualized, right? Um, I can tell you all the basics of like, you have to check all these boxes and then beyond that, it gets a little bit more specific, which is why I love it because it's like, Ooh, everybody also has a little unique thing of, you know, that we need to figure out. I think, yeah, so, 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 so clear on like the physical things that you can do. And then, like you say, the toxins, like that could be toxic exposure to things, um, not just from a physical level, but mentally, emotionally, and, and setting those really clear boundaries. And just to reiterate what you just said in terms of the foundational stuff, people undermine it so much. Drinking enough water. I can't tell you how many clients that we both work with that if they just did that, their energy would improve significantly getting extra sleep, right? Why do we wear it like a badge of honor? 
oh, I only got four or five hours tonight, or I'm managing to run on such a short amount of sleep. It's like, you're not doing your body any favors. No, you're (laughs) not. It's detrimental to your health. It's crazy. So I'm hearing boundaries is key, making sure you're getting enough sleep, making sure you're drinking enough water. And for those in New Zealand, we're looking at like two to three liters. Do you want to say it in ounces? Because that confuses (laughs) me. (laughs) I'd say 60 to 90 ounces in the US. (laughs) And then you said making sure, you know, you're eating those whole real foods. And honestly, if if you take anything away from this episode, apart from the beautiful journey that Chris has been sharing, it's like putting those foundational things into practice and then looking at where you can maybe say no. I know that I work with a lot of people, people that are people pleasers and I'm a recovering people pleaser myself. So (laughs) boundaries can be a real challenge. And maybe there's a whole episode we do on that as well. Yeah. No, it's real. I mean, and especially if you're a social person, like I am, I, you know, I, I want to have community. I want, I want to have all that. And I realized that I was doing that oftentimes at the expense of my own rest or my own happy, my own real happiness, right? Like, because I do want to be out and doing the things, but over time, if, if it's combined with too many other things going on in your life, it can be detrimental. And yeah, that's, there's been a lot of lessons over the past three years with all the things, you know, even moving offline or moving out of the office because I was in, in a clinical setting and now I work mostly virtually. And so just being aware of like, Hey, now it's time that I'm, I really need to be in person. And then the benefits of being able to work virtually is that I I'm not running around and, and doing all that all the time. So it's, I've found it to be a pretty good balance for me to kind of keep me in check and not overdo because overdoing is a pattern. <laughs> Such a good lesson and insight too. I think a lot of people have reflected over the last couple of years of what works for them, what didn't work, what did we do during the pandemic? And as much as it was an, an awful period of time, there were a lot of gifts, if you if you can find the gifts amongst it, yeah. to really reflect. And I totally feel you on the FOMO side of things. I'm definitely, definitely one of those people as well. If we think about, you know, you've talked a lot about the energy piece and that being such a huge thing for you. What does like wellness or optimal wellness really look like or mean to you as, as a person and, and in what you do with, with your beautiful clients? Optimal wellness to me is being able to do whatever you want to do with your body with ease, right? So if you want to, what, whatever you're wanting to do, whatever adventure you're wanting to do, you should be able to do that. With, I mean, within reason, obviously, I'm not going to run, you know, a three minute, a three hour mile or marathon, I'm sorry. But I think your day-to-day, your vacations, how you want to spend your life, uh, you should have the capability to do that. So for me, it's like if I'm finding that maybe my fitness level has gone down and I'm really huffing and puffing on the Peloton, or I've gained a few pounds where I just know, like, I just don't feel great. If, you know, gut issues, or if I'm having a lot more anxiety or things like that, it's like, what am I doing in my life? So like, that's not optimal health to me. Optimal health is feeling for the most part, like you can think clearly and you are in a pretty level mood most of the time. And like I said, you can do what you want to do with your body. And so those are my personal goals. And when I'm working with clients, it's the same, like they should be able to live their life fully. That is, we have one life. And I think for me, I, I love to work with people that are fun and adventurous. And I want those fun and adventurous people to feel good because <laughs> I want to hang out with you. And I'm also, I think 
going back to living in New York City, it was one of my favorite places on the planet for many reasons. But one thing that really stood out to me is like, man, there's such a melting pot of amazingness here. Like people really going for it. People really stepping into their zones of geniuses and doing whatever their dream is, right? And to me, it just was so energizing. And when I think about the importance of people's health and having optimal health for them, they have to have that first in order to step into that beautiful magic that they have. Because if you don't feel good, if you can't think clearly, if you're riddled with anxiety or you know, your body is just, you feel exhausted all of the time, you're not going to show up wherever your purpose lies. And I think that each one of us are just so amazing. We have something to offer. And so that's my why. That is not only for myself, but for my clients to really have help them live a full a beautiful life and feel great in their body and in their mind and the way that they think and how they think about themselves. So, so powerful, right? And I couldn't agree with you more. When it comes to optimal health, I really think that people, we've almost accepted the standard of living as like this normal, right? Like, oh, we just don't have energy. Oh, we just don't, you know, we carry a few extra pounds and like, oh, well, I guess that's just how I am. I'm getting older and, oh, I just you know, don't feel as good as I do in myself anymore. And, or, uh, you know, I, my bloods came back as normal. And so that must mean that I'm okay. It's like, but if you're not feeling okay in your body, if you're not feeling optimal and you're not able to do all those things that you really want to do to be able to live your best life, right. <laughs> to be cliche. It's something I think, is it part of your intention with this podcast? And it certainly is with me, like to be able to help people get to that next level as well. Oh, for sure. I think, my whole goal in communicating with all of our listeners is to always offer empowering information because I think when you don't, you don't know what you don't know. And oftentimes people are, they don't realize how bad they feel until they start to feel better. And then it's like, oh my gosh, I didn't realize I could feel this great all day. That's, that's amazing. And so not only that, they don't realize, like you said, like, oh, I guess I'm just getting older or my blood work is normal. Like those just aren't acceptable answers and we get to feel good our entire life. And so my goal, and I, I'm sure it is with you as well um, in all of our conversations is just to really empower people in what's available to them. You know, what are options and how can they self advocate for better health overall? Yeah, that's definitely my mission because, and that's my draw also to functional medicine. It's like, like I said before, it's not just the band-aid. It's really like getting in and figuring out exactly what's going on so that we solve that and then you can move forward and not have this chronic nagging issue. So good. So good. I love it. Now, if we change gears a little bit and get to know you a little bit better, <laughs> yeah. I would I would love to know, or for you, I mean, I know you quite well. I would love for the listeners to get to know you a little bit better. We know where you're based now, kind of. So if you want to let us know a little bit more about that and yeah, what you love to do in your free time, where people would typically find you. Like what, yeah. Yeah, you said you love adventures. Tell me more. <laughs> <laughs> so I live in Texas. I am in the San Antonio, New Braunfels area, about an hour outside of Austin. Love hanging out in Austin as well. There's a great community there. Do most of my work virtually. So all of my clients are kind of spread all out. 
In my free time. So I will say I love to eat. I, I love all of the food. So, I, you know, I'm not one to say you can't eat this or that, you know, everything in moderation, because that's my own motto. I do love to work out. I, I mentioned my Peloton before. We have a gym here. We kind of put that together during COVID. And it's just kind of, we just expanded on it because it's quick and it's easy. And so I love lifting weights and Peloton. And then I love to travel. So I, I we've been to Europe. We lived in Asia, actually. Uh, my husband was military. And we lived in Korea for three years in total. At growing up, my father was also military and we lived in Germany for three years. So got to experience a lot of Europe. And so I think early on, I, my travel bug was just like, okay, I have to see the world. So I've been lucky to see quite a bit, but that desire is never satiated. So any chance I get to travel, I will take it. Love to ski. So Grew up, well, in high school, I was in Colorado and learned to ski. My husband's a skier, so we try to ski about three times a season, and that's where I'm headed next month, so skiing is a big passion of mine. Love that. Yeah, I love, like I said, I love community, and I love to combine that, so if I am on a trip with good food and skiing with friends, like, that's heaven. (laughs) So good. So good. I think that'll definitely be something that we'll have to organize for the two of us to to be able to join in on that. Don't know that I can ski, but I'll come along. (laughs) Well, my other passion is EDM music. I love going to concerts. I love just letting it just rip, right? Like just to get wild, wear some crazy outfit, the glitter. Uh, I love the energy of those concerts. So I love a good music festival. I love EDM concerts. So come with me. (laughs) I'm there for it. I'm so there for it. And I think, you know, we'll get into this in an upcoming episode, but that's part of where the wild and well comes in, right? Yes. (laughs) We get to have the wild wild adventurous side. (laughs) For sure. Is there anything else that you really want to share with our listeners or any last messages or words that you have for those that have managed to stay with us and listen to your beautiful journey and learn more about you? I'm just excited to have you all along on this journey with us to, you know, as we curate people who are really, you know, coming up with new ideas or they are living their passion in the health world. And uh, we cannot wait, I cannot wait to share all of these conversations with our listeners. Again, just with our, our main mission to empower you, to inspire you, to really just guide you along your beautiful life. And I'm, I'm super excited about this journey. Amazing. Well, thank you so much for sharing with us today. And I'm excited to be on this journey with you. And thank you all for listening. And we hope that you tune in next time. Take care, guys. If you love this episode, be sure to leave us a review, download and subscribe. If you know someone that could also benefit from this conversation, please share. That's how we spread empowered health. We'll see you again for another episode of the Wild and Wild Collective.